Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Good to be back, Z, for this week's edition of Conversations. We are talking about easy love, and don't get too excited. It's not a new service at the Dharma Health Institute. This is something totally different. So we're talking, Z, about the difference between easy love and call it hard love or more fundamental love. And when I think about easy love, I think about my kids. My kids are really funny. We've talked about how young kids are like psychopaths. They only care about themselves. And if they don't get what they want, they ask for something and I shut it down or I say, you know what, that's too much iPad. You can't play with the iPad anymore. You can't have a treat. They're like, oh my God, dad, I hate you. I'm going to kill you. My kids are are, are really mean. I don't know about yours, but they start kicking me and they tell me how they're going to throw me out the window and do all these horrible things to me. And then on days when I get them what they want, or I do something that they like, they're like, oh, you're the best dad. We love you so much. <laughs> you're so great. <laughs> or they'll say, they'll try and bribe me. They're like, if you do this for me, then I will love you. Then I promise I will love you. That's how I think about easy love. It's like, if you get what you want, if you feel nice and comfortable, then you love something. If you don't, then you hate it. And as we've been talking about before we started the podcast, that's a lot of what we see in the world. Uh, we see it in relationships. Uh, we talked about how it's easy to date. Uh, it's easy to start a relationship and you get into it and it's exciting and you've got the passion and you're with a new person. But marriage is something that's a very hard form of love because you have to put up with that fucking person day in and day out for the rest of your life or at least for a long period of time. And the cost of separation is very high. <clears throat> so you have to figure out some way to make it work. It's difficult. It requires some patience, some understanding, some introspection, some compromise. We also talked about this easy versus difficult love concept with regard to loving your country, uh, being nationalistic or loving humanity. And that's a lot that we hear now. You know, we've got this whole media narrative around Ukraine and Ukrainian refugees. And there's so much support coming out around Ukraine and people say, you know what? We just love humanity. We love people. We don't want them to suffer. I have no problem with that. I don't think you have a problem with that either. The problem is that it's not a consistent standard because there's suffering that goes on in the world every single day. We've talked about this before from Iraq to Afghanistan to Yemen, all over the world. You see horrible suffering. You see refugees who are waiting at the border between Mexico and the U.S. who've been there for weeks or months. Uh, whereas uh, Ukrainians might be able to get through right away. So why is one group easier to love than the other group? Either it's because they're familiar and we're just seeing a lot more media attention around them, uh, or it could be that we identify with them. Uh, maybe we feel like these are our people. These are civilized people and we're happy to take care of our people. Again, nothing wrong with it, but we just need to be careful about how we think about this concept of love. Uh, because if we really love something deeply, in my view, it's less of a conditional love. It's less, I love you because of this, or I love you because you have a nice feature and you look pretty for a certain point in time, or you give me money and I'll love you for that. 
it's more holistic. It's I'm going to love everything about you. Maybe not every individual aspect of someone, but I'm going to take a look at the whole package. So I'm going to look at the good, the bad, the things that I'm indifferent to, the things that I don't understand. I'm going to accept all of that. And in that acceptance, I have a love for the whole. It doesn't mean that I agree with every single aspect of what you're doing, but I have the ability to see the object of my affection objectively. I know what it's about. I know what it stands for. I know where it can improve. I know where it benefits me. And when I put all of that together, I'm willing to get to a point where I am willing to sacrifice. So part of it is this holistic aspect. Part of it is I am willing to sacrifice for the things that I love. Uh, so another example we talked about is it's very easy to talk about loving a country, uh, but are you actually willing to sacrifice? If you're the one who has to go to war, would you still feel that same amount of love or would you feel fear and would you step back and would you reconsider your position? So when we try and distinguish between easy love and difficult love or harder love, more fundamental love, however you want to call it, Z, I think about the whole versus the pieces. And I also think about this element of sacrifice. I want to hear from you uh, because this is a concept that's been burning a bit in your mind. How do you think about it and why is it something that we should care about? Vin, I've been thinking about it over the last you know, few weeks or whatever as I, I watch trends, people's behavior, you know, when people say that they love humanity. And I start thinking about what humanity do you love? What, what, what love is that? It's easy to love familiar. It's easy to love what you identify with. That's not love. Right? That's a form of tribalism. That's a bunch of other things. But when you, when you really consider love, and I want us to start with this. Many years ago, the dictionary has changed the meaning of love. But many years ago, let's say circa 35 years ago, if you were to go to the, the dictionary and look up the meaning of love, at that point, it meant unsolicited devotion. It means different things now. They can't even, they, they've, they've changed the meaning so much. But originally it meant unsolicited devotion. My God, this is what Rumi talked about. This is what Khalil Gibran talked about. This is what all the great epics and writers and stories of humanity talked about. Something so much bigger and greater than us. The hope of every yogi, yogi was to uh, cultivate Mahasamadhi, the great ecstasy. A complete unbroken union with the divine. That's what Yogananda trained himself to do. That when he took his last breath, he went to he, he went to Mahasamadhi. He was he was enveloped in the divine, unsolicited devotion. But now it has newer, more contemporary meanings, which are fragmented quite a bit. And I'm going to work with that. So when I talk about easy love versus hard love versus love, easy love is. It's fun. The energy expenditure is low. Um, I think about relationships. You find somebody and, and, and you're hot and attracted and you just want to talk to them all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. It goes and goes and goes. See, I just never want this to end. I never want this to end. Let's think about how ridiculous that sounds. Well, it starts to end and change into either hard love or an ending of that friendship or connection once you move in with somebody. 
and now you guys are sharing the same bathroom. Now it's getting rough. Now you're, you're sharing uh, the dishes. Now their shoes are on the floor. And they're just chilling. They're feeling good. I can just throw my shoes anywhere. I can do whatever I want to do. I can stink up your bathroom. I can do whatever I want to do. And it's like, eh, I didn't really sign up for this. this I, I don't want this. Now that's easy love. And, and it, it, it's very untethered. But then there could be that hard love. You say, you know, you need to clean up. And when I say that, it's not because I dislike you. It's because I want to go a greater distance with you. In order for us to go a greater distance and to evolve more, here are things that we need to cultivate. We need to exercise. We need to get good at. Just like if you're a martial artist, there are things you got to get good at. There's ideas you have, but you can't implement them till you get good at them. And that requires a certain depth and maturity it requires really those initial ancient qualities of love, which is unsolicited devotion. The immersion in the soul of that person. And that isn't romantic. Remember the word romantic simply is, you look at the etymological root, the Roman and antics, the theatrical portrayal of life put forth by Romans. Oftentimes when people want romance, they just want drama. Push and pull. Let's, let's pretend to to fight and make up and let's have drama and I'll pretend that you're kidnapping me, whatever, whatever the hell is, this is too much. Let's do Romeo and Juliet and just, just commit suicide. That's too much. This is, this is antics. It's not love. It's antics of romance. It's, it's a theatrical portrayal of life. Real love doesn't have a lot of romance in it. There's no, actually, there's no romance. It's very predictable. You can count on the person, right? They're there for you. Uh, you're my dog. You're my right arm. I'm yours. And there it is, just like your right and left arm. You don't really feel them, but you definitely want them to be there when you fall. So we want to really look at, at when we're dealing with this concept of love. Love for a person, love for your children, love for humanity. You talked about your kids. Your kids don't really love you. They're dependent on you. They don't develop that. Love is a mature feeling. They grow into loving you as they become reflective on life. And they see, that, hey, you know what? My parents uh, were there for me when I couldn't do things for myself. They wiped my butt. They protected me. They fed me. They didn't sell my kidneys off. They didn't force me to go to Michael Jackson's ranch or something like that. Um, these, are good, th these are good people. And I was a total, uh, a total handful, a horrible person to them. I threatened to throw my daddy Vin over the balcony in New York because he wouldn't let me do more iPad. And you know what? He, he, didn't, he didn't beat me or, or, or give me to the doorman. He just kept dealing with me when I couldn't, I had no self-control and no executive function. And then so a lot of love comes from sentiment. My love for my mom came from sentiment and reflection. It didn't come from in, the immediate experience of being around her. It came from mature reflection and being able to consider her sacrifices that I said, wow, I, I can honor her for that. Um, in relationships, what we all have learned about marriage, marriage is hard, it, it's rough, um, but you're in it because there's that hard love. There's the deep-rooted thing that under all the stuff we go through, there is an underlying virtue or value to being with you. I am better off with you than I am without you. Or as simple as that, it's much more efficient than dating and getting on uh, Twittergram, Datagram, and going through all this nonsense that 
Caitlin and Jante and all of them were going through. I think Caitlin met Kyle on Datagram or right here, which one? But anyway, it's miserable going through that. You don't have to go through that. You don't have to waste your energy. You can spend your energy doing other things because you have a partner. It's just easier. So that helps you to have the sentiment and the value for that person, right? And at some point you may wake up and say, there's something else for me. There are a lot of people that got with somebody out of convenience or simply because they were a tribe mate or they were familiar to them and there was a convenience of interaction, but it wasn't hard love, it was easy love. Then as they evolved, things changed and it got, it got much more difficult to have that easy love. And the easy love doesn't have the ballast to weather storms. Hard love also is in friendships. If you think about really close friends, at some point in their friendship, they had a falling out. They had rough times. They may have come to blows, it got really bad. And through a realization, they realized that I'm better with you than without you. I can trust you, I, you're my friend, you are my comrade, and that's it. When it comes to things like nationalism, most patriots talk about an easy love. Most of the people that are calling others to war would never go themselves. They love their nation when it's easy. A lot of people say they love their nation, but they don't want to hear about the bad parts. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to see what made it. Well, you got to put shit on a rose to make it grow. You got to fertilize plants so they grow well. This, this, this particular nation was fertilized by the suffering and the generational trauma of the former slaves and other people. They don't want to talk about it. They want to deny it. When you have people who are generationally traumatized that are your fellow countrymen, you have very few options on how to deal with them. Um, you can um, deny them. You can disclaim them as humans. You can deny their suffering. You can um, marginalize them. You can do a number of things. You can be indifferent to them. What most people have chose, indifference. So they're, they're uncomfortable with the history. They're uncomfortable with that part. So we take that back to relationships. What if you're in a relationship, meet somebody, and they seem like the perfect match, but they have a, they have a uh, questionable background. They've done some shady things in their life. They've had some uncomfortable indiscretions in their life. So you can deny it, suppress it, and, and keep that kind of barrier between you two so then that the hard love can never root itself. Or you can accept that the past is the past. Whatever they did in the past got them to you. Whatever fertilized them to be the person that you love was good. The fertilizer was good because it grew this beautiful plant. This beautiful thing grew out of that, that wretched soil. That's how you can look at it. That's hard love because you have to take a look at yourself and why you would judge a person from their past um, experiences. I've heard a lot of people do that. I've known people that have broken up with mates from years when they found out the person did this or that years ago. It's, it's, it's always been bizarre to me, but for other people it makes sense. I can't, I can't be with this person because I'm thinking about what they did in, in, in 82 or something, right? 
So that's easy love. Um, and it applies to a nation. You, you say you love the country, but you can't really sit there and say um, there's some problems and there's um, some reflection and there's also a need for remedy and repair. You don't love it that much. So you really loved it. You said we need to repair some things so it'd be healthier. Uh, it's not good to do diplomacy through the barrel of a gun. It's not good to call for one country to be held into criminal court when you yourself won't go to criminal court. That's like having a drunk parent that comes home and beats the kids and the wife. Like you love your parent, but you say, good grief, we can't take the beatings and the terrorizing. So we're going to have to institutionalize you for a while. We're going to have to distance ourselves. We don't stop loving you, but we can't sacrifice the harmony of the family for the sentiment of you, but we still love you. You know what I'm talking about, Jay? Like there are people you love, but you can't have them around you. And you have to love them at a distance and cultivate that in a way. That's hard love. Easy love is they're not doing what you want. You just cut them loose and exit them. Some people you never give up on, but you don't give in to them. And so, too, when you look at people who say they love their nation, but they wouldn't die for it. They love their nation, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't accept a criticism to make it healthier. They love their nation, but they hate the other party or the other view. Um, this is easy love. You love your partner, but you don't want to know anything about them. You don't want to know who they really are. You don't want to know their feelings. You only want to see them at their best. So easy love and hard versus hard love is I want us to all consider that as we move through our lives and we have the different people in our lives. And when we say, hey, you know, I love so-and-so. Imagine them not doing everything you want them to do or not being all the parts that you want them to be, do you still love them? Do you still feel that unsolicited devotion? Have you ever experienced that? So when you talk about moving forward with a mission, uh, the love of a nation, the love of a person, the love of a spouse, a friend, what does that really mean? Is it hard love when it's cold and dark and quiet when you're hungry, when it's painful. I think that's one of the things that helps a person when they're in long-term relation. What I've learned is when you have a loving relationship, the momentum of the joy carries you. It accelerates you over the rough areas. Through that, the, that the beautiful springtime of the relationship that, that comes and goes gets you through the rough winter. Right? It gets you through the rough winter. And if you're not able to endure that, maybe it was never really love. Because let's look at the old definition. Unsolicited devotion. You follow me, Vin? Yeah. Yeah, this concept of unsolicited devotion, it's a beautiful way of putting it. When I hear that phrase, it sounds complete, it sounds total, it sounds very spiritual, which makes sense given uh, the source. I think you said it came from uh, from Rumi. I want to talk for a minute about the value of, of having this deeper love, uh, getting beyond the easy love. When I think about love, a lot of times I think about connecting 
to something more than myself. And love comes from identification. Uh, I think about my kids and, and why parents have such a strong bond with their children. Why is it that the relationship with a child is unlike any other relationship that you could have in this world? And it flows in one direction. The love a parent has for a child is never going to match the love that that child has for the parent. And my view is that you see your child as an extension of yourself. You see some kind of fundamental connection. At some level, you are so deeply intertwined that you don't even draw a distinction. And if you take a a spiritual perspective, if we expand our consciousness enough, uh, we get to the point where we are able to pierce through this veil of Maya, this phenomenal world, and recognize the inherent connections across everything, then maybe all we are is boundless love. Maybe we always feel that sense of love because we have a connection with everything. Uh, we feel intertwined with all of time and all of space. Uh, so from that standpoint, I understand this concept of love. If we take it back down to a practical level and admit that, yeah, we can experience this on the one hand in, in a provisional sense. Uh, for those of us who have kids, we can experience that connection. And maybe we have connections beyond that, but most of us are not at the point where we're connected to this broader reality and we transcend uh, the world like the yogis talk about. We are where we are. We have our preferences. Let's talk for a second, Z, about the value of having that deeper love because there's a cost to it. We talked about marriage and relationships. There's a cost in that you're inconvenienced. You have to accommodate someone else. Ultimately, if you're too close to someone for a certain period of time, even if you get along well, that familiarity is going to breed contempt at certain times. That's going to spill over. That causes some headaches, some hassles. Or do you think about this idea of nationalism? Why would we want to acknowledge all the faults of a country? It's just going to make us feel uncomfortable, which I think is basically the argument that a lot of people put forth, even if they don't come out and say it. Uh, it's kind of like, why are we teaching our children to hate this country and hate themselves? What they're really saying is, why do we want to teach our kids that they're part of a group or part of a history that has done something wrong, that has things that we can't stand behind and defend? Uh, why not just take the easier route and pretend that everything is sunshine, everything is roses? Uh, there was a movement a few years ago in China to do just that, where people were very uncomfortable talking about the Tiananmen Square massacre. And in fact, people who'd never been through that period in time, uh, so these are more the, the Gen Zers, uh, the, the ones in their early to mid-20s who were born after that happened, they said, yeah, you know what, that's something that's an uncomfortable part of our history. It's not really productive. It's just going to tear us apart. It's going to lead to upset feelings. Why do we want to deal with that? So if we take that perspective, there is a cost to recognizing the whole, to working through conflict. What are we getting in exchange for that? I mean, let's take those two examples. Let's take the example of relationships and let's take the example of nationalism by loving the whole by being open to the good, the bad, and everything in between, by working through conflict, how do we benefit? Then I would say the way we benefit from it is the loving, the one doing the loving benefits the most from loving, more so than the person that's loved. 
we talk about our children, what do we learn from them as we mature in this cycle of life and the young people that are in your life? I have four children, and the sacrifice that I have made of my ego has made me a better human being for myself and hopefully for the people in my life. The humbling it did of my ego. Uh, my eldest is, you know, firstborn daughter is just the bane of a man's heart, just the bane of her heart. I mean, they, they, they own you. You know what I mean? I mean, they own you. And you didn't want it. You didn't plan on feeling that way about somebody. And she has no connection to that. She's simply just like the object of this outpouring of my soul. And it doesn't really resonate. Like you said, they don't really get it or care. They're just inheritors. And I remember a few things that I, I may have spoken about before, just sharing. Remember my daughter was maybe three or four years old and she wanted her hair braided. And I found the woman who would braid her hair and it was an all night process. I don't know if you know that, but these hair braiding things, they take all night. And I said, oh, my little girl can't stay up for whatever, 12 hours doing her hair. And that little girl was so excited about getting her hair braided, she stayed up for 12 hours into the evening. We started at eight and finished at eight in the morning or something like that. I was exhausted. I would have done that for nobody on earth. No one on earth. I didn't know I had that in me um, in that way. Just irrational, complete surrender of the being. The pain that you go through loving your children fearing for them, watching them, the tired, the ache, but it's something so sweet underneath that, that you would go through it all over again. Wouldn't you, Vin? You would go through it all over again, just for them. So they're elevating, to love elevates your humanity. If it does nothing for another person, it elevates your humanity. If you shy away from love, your humanity never raises. It never lifts. It never evolves. And that is one of the benefits of love, is that, that rise of the self. In relationships, you go through, in relationships, you go through, you go through love and you grow, you mature. Think about your first love, your first hardship, your first heartbreak, how it tore you up, destroyed you, broke your knees. And then each time after that, you reflect upon it whenever you move forward. You, you never get over it. it. It affects you. I think about the first crush I had on a, a girl, a neighbor of my grandmother's. I would go in the summer and she was much older than me. I think I was 13 and she was 16. And just hitting puberty and all that, and that emotion of wanting to be around her, that, that, that adolescent pheromone-based love. And she said to me, you could be my boyfriend and I would do all kind of stuff to you if you were my boyfriend, but you don't have enough muscles. 
that day I started working out and 50 something years later, I'm still working out. Love does that to you. The love of friendships. I lost a dear friend a few years ago, as you know, one of the first friends I had. And my other buddy, I tell him all the time, I'll call him, I say, I'm going to ask you something. I need you to stay healthy and I need you to die after me because I love you so much. I just, one thing I want from you is to die after me because my heart would be too broken. And so there, there are, the love is common. People say there are different kinds of love. I think it's expressed in different ways, but it has the same richness. It has that unsolicited devotion. I was with the boys the other day, and Sasa, or, or my son Vyas, we call him Sasa, we were just sitting around and doing our thing together. And as he was falling asleep, I'll tell him, give me love. And what he does, he bows his head into my chest. That's how he shows um, his affection and love. He'll bow his head into my chest. It's a sweet saying, huh, Caitlin? He'll oh, yes. bow his head into you. And I looked at him, and I looked at his brother, my seven-year-old, looked at my seven-year-old, my five-year-old. We had just talked to my 33-year-old and my granddaughter, and night was setting in, and everybody's getting tired. And I was just overwhelmed with love. And I looked at them as they were falling asleep. I said, I want you guys to look at me. And in my heart, I, I want to I imagine you remember me when I'm not here. And Jonah said to me, he says, when I'm your age, Ba, how old will you be? And I would say, I will be long gone. When you're my age, it'll be the year 2078 or something like that. He figured out. I will be long gone. But I'm looking at you right now. And if, 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 if in eternity there's a way, I just want you to close your eyes and see a big picture of me right here. And think about all the good times we had together. And as I shared that moment of love, just that expression of love, my God, these little troublemakers, these little guys that wake up at 6 a.m. on the nose every night and, and they wake up ready to go whether I'm sleepy, rested, not rested. It's so much trouble. It's so much trouble. School this, swimming that, karate this, that, 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 that. But you know, you would just, you'd walk back and forth across hell for that. That's a powerful, it makes you a powerful person because nothing else can make you do that. Friendships, relationships, the love of the work you do and the people you share it with. There's a, there's, I think the love is the common theme. It's just expressed in different ways. Love will make you show up when you don't feel like it. That's hard love. Easy love, as long as it's fun, I'm here. I, that's not even love, I think. I think there's a, 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 a treat in it. It's like uh, refined sugar. It tastes good, but it takes a lot more out of you to process that digest it and it gives back. I think real love is like spinach or something, you know what I mean? Just good veggies. <laughs> and when it comes to our shared humanity, that's, that's a real reflection. 
because it's really difficult to say you love your nation, but you hate the world. I love my country, but I hate everybody else. Even when I'm with my kids, I can look at my kids and I feel the love. And what I feel is the love of every parent on earth. Because right when I'm looking at my children, I'm thinking that there's a, probably a, at least 100 million, at least 100 million other dads doing the same thing at the same time. More than that, a billion. And then I feel the whole world. And even in my very martial, very military, very oftentimes anti-human self, it elevates me into the human family because I care. And I'm able to tolerate, interact, navigate, be agreeable with people I normally wouldn't be. When I see the elderly, my first instinct is not that maybe this is some old, horrible human being, but I think about me, that they're just a few steps ahead of me. We have a woman here, Inga, who is my role model. Inga's in her 90s. She's vibrant and gracious. And she's and Roger have a great love, her boyfriend, Roger. And I say, if I could be like that, I would feel like the universe loves me. Though I'm undeserving, I would feel great. And I have somebody to reflect upon. Hard love is not sugary sweet. It might be a little bitter even at times. But it is the love that has sustained humanity. I listened to an economist the other day, and he was talking about the economy globally. And he says, people always say money, money, money. He says, not the money, it's the culture. And he made this amazing point about how people have cultural ideas and ethics that make them do commerce with each other in, an, uh, in, in a, a fluid way, a harmonious way that allows economies to grow. And if you don't have that, you can't really do things. If you can't trust people, if you don't like people, you really won't build a strong economy. And when you did with sub-economies and group economies, they don't do well if you don't have the culture of commerce. And I thought about that, is that when you love somebody, you have hard love, you have tolerances you don't have for other people. You'll stretch yourself a little more. You have to be a stronger person. You'll work a little harder. Your chi is expressed in a more vibrant way. But love isn't something that just drops out of the sky. It has to be worked on and exercised. If you've always run from difficult situations, it's like quitting when you're training. You quit when you're training, you won't get good at what you're doing. You quit when love is tough. You'll never have tough love. You'll never have deep love. When you just stay on the outskirts and the surface of it, you'll never have more than that. When you have a love where you avoid tears, then you have a love where you can't really smile that much. When you have a love where you avoid conversation, you're not really going to communicate. You're going to have a love where there's no communication. And love needs that. 
be it verbally, be it emotionally, be it textually, be it sensually. It flourishes on those things, those, those, that, that human supplementation. So the better you are at loving, the more you can love. You get good at it. It's easy for you to love people. It's one of the things that hardship teaches you. When you lose people you love, and it rips your soul open, it rips your heart open, it rips all shielding away from you. If you've ever been to the funeral of a loved one that's gone too soon, or if you've ever been in the presence of a loved one who has passed away before you felt it was time, and your skin is ripped open, your chest is torn open, your ribs are ripped open with grief, and your heart is laid bare, your heart's just there, just beating in the wind like a rotten tooth. It hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. And as you get deeper into that pain until it becomes, uh, you become immersed in the fire of the pain and you feel the soothing and you're the weakness of the legs and the betrayal of your strength and there's nothing left of you. And then you slowly start to heal. And that next person those next friends around you, you're able to love them so deep if you immersed yourself in that pain because they're the salve that sedates it. But if you avoid that, if you deny it, if you turn away, if you don't want to cope with it, you will never be able to connect on that deeper level to go there. If you want to keep yourself safe from hardship and suffering and heartbreak, then you can never really love. I hear people say, my heart was broken once and I'll never do that again. Well, the thing that you won't do again is have a better love than you had, than you lost. You know, my wonderful nephew is going through a divorce and he tells me the most painful, sweetest thing because in our culture, my brother passed away, so my nephew is my son now also. And to hear your son open his heart in pain he says when he got married, all he wanted was to have the family that was denied of him by the death of his mom and the death of my brother. And now that that's not working out, he said, Uncle, this big strong man cried like he did when he was a baby. He said, it's like my family is dying all over again. And I, I told him, trust me, son. You fucked up. You married the wrong girl. But you're a good man. You're a strong man, you're a young man, you're a smart man, you're a handsome man, you're a beautiful human being. The best is yet to come. But this is preparing you for the best. Just like when you lose some love, the love never goes away, it never, never goes. The object of your love, the object of your affection may go, but the gravity of it, the radiance of the love is always there. Meet people who have never been through something, who have never had their heart torn out, and they don't have a heart worth tearing out. They have no depth. Find people who have suffered, and they have the capacity to love like no other. That's the hard love. And we go and we can look at it existentially, as I like to do things. When I see the condition of the society, I see the lack of hard love. People are ripping their nation apart, picking it apart, pouring it out, dicing it, slicing it, 
Each side hates the other side. Blind hate. There's no love anywhere. Just blind hatred is the most dominant, the dimmest of light, the most negative of energy. It's dominated the discourse. Then you see the whole world looking for love that they've never cultivated or nurtured because they love their people but not the others. They love that mother's tears but, but are indifferent to the other mother's tears. They love that dictator but hate that one when they're all doing the same thing. So it's not really love. It's something else. So when we can practice unsolicited devotion, I think, again, I don't own the truth, but I think and I can share my own experience. Start with your own self. Work on your own self. You can't save the world, but you can save yourself. Do the best you can and test yourself. Listen to those people who have been uh, well-traveled on their love journey. Find older couples that have been together a long time. And if you're so inclined, hear their stories. How did you do it? How did you stay together 20 years, 30 years, 50 years? How did you do it? How hard was it? What, what, what were your keys? And each one will tell you some things different and some things similar. Why do you still enjoy each other's company? Oftentimes, I found it's almost like them against the world. They're like Bonnie and Clyde. A lot of these people, pretty amazing. They've had ups and downs that would have broke 10 couples apart. All kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, they were ride or die. Right? What you guys got to say about it? I got all the kids here. They're listening. Caitlin's a love expert now. Um, Jante's on a love fast. What do you think, Vin? I feel like you brought up so many interesting points. The thing that stands out from what you said is this idea that love is like showing up in training, that there's so much about it, which is sacrifice. That you come in, you do the work, you put up with the good, the bad. We've talked about bitter medicine in the past, how even if the things that we do, the routines, they don't feel that good in the moment, we do them because they know that we make, they make us stronger uh, following that routine. So it sounds a lot like the, the life practices that, that we speak of often, that it's about sacrifice, it's about discipline, it's about showing up, it's about putting in the effort. And it reminds me of a quote someone said that love is less of a noun and more of a verb. So it's not a feeling that you have. It's something you do. It's an active decision that you are going to love someone. You are going to open yourself up to them. You are going to accept them for better or worse. I think about what you're saying, and there are a few different ways to frame it. I mean, a couple of things come to mind. One is just the nature of, of being human, where... I feel like the more open we are, the better we feel, that our natural impulse is to expand, to connect to more and more of the world. And the problem with the easy love that we talked about, and I think you're absolutely right, that easy love isn't even love. It's more just an exchange. It's a transaction. It's not connecting in a fundamental way to someone else or something else. So you get beyond that easy love. And the value to accepting something as it is and loving it as it is 
and being devoted to it without trying to control it or manipulate it is that you open yourself up to the whole. If you don't do that and you select the easy route and you go for certain bits and pieces and you say, okay, as long as you are acting a certain way, I will love you. Or as long as I don't have to think about all of the gangbangs you had in the past or all of the people you killed back in the day or whatever it is, then we're cool. Then I love you. That's closing a piece of yourself off. And that closing of the heart, that shutting of the self down limits what you're talking about, Z, which is this expression of ourselves, this expression of our humanity, this ability to just be vulnerable, uh, to keep the heart open, to, to form deep connections with something that extends beyond ourself, which is so fundamental to living. So that to me is an argument for the deeper love as opposed to the things that are more convenient. It just enriches the human experience. It takes less effort to open. Yes, we may feel pain, but we can go about our lives more free. We don't have to compartmentalize. There's less mental anguish. We don't have to pretend that things are not what we see or not how they really are. That's one of the problems with our society today, with, with tribalism, with alignment on one side and not the other side. And Z, you talked about double standards where we love one group of people and we hate another group of people, even though ultimately there's not that much difference across the two groups. That becomes so complicated. We have to invent stories to justify our rationale. We have to look for differences where those differences don't exist. We have to be hypocritical. We have to turn into the types of people that we don't like, that we don't want to be around. It creates a lot of anxiety. And it just keeps the mind constantly churning. It keeps the emotions high. I mean, it's almost like it's so much simpler to just love something as it is, to just accept it as it is, to open yourself to the good and the bad, to see things clearly. And then you can make that choice. I guess on the one hand, if something is really perverse or someone is just a terrible person, maybe you say it's not worth investing the time. But if you get to the point where you find something worth fighting for, that's when you invest. That's when you go all in. Uh, that's when you get up, you have your rituals, you check in with the person, you set your ego aside, you hold your tongue at certain times, uh, you forego the immediate satisfaction of yelling at someone because you know that it's just going to devastate the relationship. It's going to lead to an imprint that is hard to erase and in doing so, as we talked about, that's good for us because we open ourselves up. It's also good because I feel like I've grown as a person. I mean, if I look at my relationship with my wife, it's been really challenging at times. We've known each other for 17 years or something like that. And at times I felt like, what the hell am I doing? This person is just completely insane. She's out of her mind. I'm sure she's felt the same way about me. But we go through it. And in doing that, it's taught me a lot. I mean, it's taught me a lot about myself. It's taught me a lot about her, about people in general, relationships in general. I am able to step back. I can start to understand why she gets upset, when she feels threatened, why she reacts the way that she does. That makes me a stronger person, a more resilient person. It gives me a toolkit that I can use in other parts of my life. It's like, okay, I know this isn't personal. I know what's happening. I know how to address the situation. I can also check myself and my own emotions. I know how to manage myself better. So it's interesting what you said. I mean, I feel like we're coming full circle to some extent. You started off by saying that if we really love and we have that deep love, 
it does much more for the person who loves than the person who is being loved. I do think there are benefits, but in both directions. But I see what you're saying. I, I do feel like when we love, there's something about the act of loving that requires that sacrifice, that discipline, that requires the subjugation of the ego. And in doing that, that's how we evolve. That's how we become stronger. So those are some of the thoughts that come to mind just hearing what you're thinking and and the, the, the stories that you're sharing, Z. I mean, I, I guess I would just say that it almost feels like a, a spiritual practice, the way that we're describing it, to show up, to do the work, to put the ego aside, to grow and to develop, to merge with something greater than yourself. How do you think about it? What is the connection between love and spirituality? Vin, I, I believe, like many of the greats have said, love is divine. It's not the cheap thing. It's not what is often sold. As you were talking, I was welling up in emotions thinking about love is the thing that when you leave this world, it is the one thing that you, you have. It is the one thing that you have, is that you loved. And if you're fortunate, you were also loved. But to love is like to be a good fighter. You know, to be a really good fighter, you have to get punched. You have to take blows. You have to get hit hard. To be a great runner, your coach has to push you until you can't go, till you throw up your lunch, till you are broken. And then when you come back, you become a good runner. Or you have taken the blows. Now you can dodge the punches. And most people aren't willing to go through that part. That's where there are so many few great ones or people who have gone to the edge because most people aren't willing to take the hard love. And when you do, you get so much in return. You develop an appetite for love and you're able to share it in a more, very powerful way. And I think about the love I have in my life. There are times as a human being, maybe you feel misunderstood or you feel lonely and it's a very bleak feeling. It's soul-stealing, it's robbing, the isolation, the barrenness of emptiness. And when you hear about people committing suicide and things like that, they felt unloved, they felt disconnected from humanity. Love not only gives you that richness, but it gives you a sense of duty to the people you love. So even on your worst days, you show up and you, you take that supplement of love. You take that big vitamin, that big elixir of love, and it gets you through. I think about oftentimes I'll get calls from some of the students or some of the clients I've worked with and they say, hey, can I, I meet you? Let's just go have tea together. And my God, what it does to me, it's like I feel so, I feel so uniquely special, loved. I'll get a call. And I have, uh, Rosa Morrow will call me, or Planet Janet will call me, or uh, Master Pauline or Ruth will call, and they'll say something just so casual and so connected and so warm. I'll hear from Anthony, I'll hear from different people, I'll hear from Debbie, I'll hear, I can just go through the list. And it's like, it's, it's my life becomes so big. I'll hear from the kids every day. I'll hear from Jay on something. Hey, can, what about the car? 
um, this. I'm alive because if I was dead, none of those calls would be made. If I hadn't loved somebody, the quantizing of my humanity wouldn't exist. It's just because I had an open heart, and that heart was open because it was ripped out of my chest a few times. And once it patched back up, I just, I took the punch. And now I can take heavy blows, and I can receive good love. I think about so many people that on the, just in a moment, in a bland, benign, insignificant moment, they'll give me a call, or they'll stop by, or we connect. I said, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm love. I think about those who have passed or felt miserable, or my dear friend, uh, Greg Shagji, who died of a drug overdose in a cheap hotel room with nobody around him that loved him. And I wish he would have known what I knew, that you, I care about you. And that love might be the raft you need to get you through a bad night. I know all of the people in my life have done that for me at different times. I have my demons. I have my grim part of me. I have my hauntings. Every now and then I'll get a call from Mike Venegas. We were in the military together. We were in the military other oh, 40 years ago. We were in the military together. And Mike will always say, fall out for chow. And we laugh. And I drove up to see Mike at his job one day with the kids. And not a day it went by. Yeah, there are different ways you express love, but it's the same love. There's a way you express your love with your wife and your children that may include or exclude certain things. I was trying to tell my wife, and sometimes, you know, husband and wives don't understand each other, and you feel that frustration. And I said to her, I want you to understand that a lot of times when I feel sad or something or things aren't working out so great with us, you're my last girlfriend. And I want things to be okay with us because you're my last girlfriend. I've had thousands of girlfriends, but you're my last one. And I want it to work out with us. So when we don't quite understand or when you do something that feels like you understand me, it hurts different. It hurts in a different way. So if we could figure out a way that you can understand my life and why this is important to me and I can understand you so I can convey that to you because we come from very different backgrounds of struggle and sacrifice. I'm a roughneck. She's a sweetheart. Then I look at you, my dear brother, little brother, crazy, wild, but I know you got my back. All the folks here, I've always shared with everybody. When John Tay hangs out, and it is an unbroken line from his father to him. And, and, and it's not to diminish John Tay at all, but it's to say the connection from that precious child that looked up to me as a big brother that made me a better brother 
45, 50 years ago. I'm alive. Like Frankenstein said about his monster, I'm alive. He's alive. That's what love does for us on every level. And if you take it to the point of view of a nation, how can you can't be a patriot without the deep love, not just of the people you like, but the people that share the common themes. And that's why going to the painful place is good. Just like a couple going to therapy. Couples who want to stay together sometimes have to go to therapy. Friends who want to be good road dogs to each other, they have to trust. You have to trust each other. And trust is not something that's just handed over. Trust is something that's stressed. What do you do under in the bad times? What do you do when you're hungry? What do you do when you're cold? What do you do when you're in pain? What do you do when you're misunderstood? What do you do? If you do the right things, that develops trust. So yeah, love benefits the person loving more, not as much if not more so than that who being loved, but it's reciprocal. You got it, Vin? Yeah, I'll just offer one final thought that loving someone in a way it's sacrificing yourself to satisfy their needs. It's putting them before you being of value to someone else, to something else. And in that sense, the value comes back to you because it gives you purpose. It gives you meaning. It gives you a reason to exist. And as you said, Z, ultimately love is the only thing that we have when we net out everything else in this world. And the way I interpret that is that if you don't love, if you don't have those deep connections with other people, did you even exist? Were you even relevant? It's almost like, were you even here? So yeah, yeah, in that sense, I completely agree with you uh, that it's critical. I mean, it's great to be loved, but it's essential to love. And you know, while you were talking about sacrifice, Caitlin immediately shook her head, none of that, because she's talking about easy love. And in, in that hard love, you do sacrifice yourself. You give up things that we were fond of or maybe dear of. You change your ideology because the love is greater than all of that. And she hasn't experienced that yet. And that's why she's shaking her head, no, I'm not going to sacrifice anything. But I, I'll share an example. You know, I, I get pissed off when the equipment is broken in here. The kids break the equipment all the time. I come in, shit's torn up. But the love I have for them is bigger than the break in the equipment. And my hope is always that they witness that and that love has its own radiance. I'll come in, the place looks like crap. They have free reign of it. I don't stop loving them. That's hard love. I don't go crazy. That's hard love. Sometimes it's not easy to communicate or convey to somebody you love things that you need or want them to understand but you don't quit. That's a sacrifice. The sacred fire, that's what makes you better and deeper. That's the sacred fire. That's what sacrifice means, the sacred fire. And you go, fire purifies you. And as you go through these different things, be first an example for yourself. The reward is for you first. If they learn a lesson or gain from that a great lesson, 
then so be it. But for you, that you made that sacrifice, you, you, you kneeled at the altar of your, your greater self. In relationships, there's always adjustments and sacrifices. What will you do for your beloved? Do you enjoy their happiness? Sometimes their happiness is even better than your happiness. It's another kind of happiness. My wife always likes to go on random trips and stay. I don't want to do that. I just want to go in my garage, work on the car, and do whatever. But I do things, and oftentimes it ends up working out okay. But it makes her happy, and she's learned to accept that. I know this isn't your thing, and I know you'll do it because it makes me happy. Yeah, because I love you. So I'm, I'm not, I don't feel enslaved or beat down by that. I just feel that it's part of the noble sacrifice of the, of the ego. Uh, people all have a list of no's to their partner. That's not hard love. The deep love that's sustaining and, and carries you through the challenges of life. So those noble sacrifices are important for everything. Just like what we do for our children every day, right? Ben, it's, it's like you get them places. What would you do without your kids? Hey, we'd be, we'd be hanging out in Vegas doing whatever. That's what we'd be doing with no kids, right? And... Um, And so when we understand that there is a, an element of sacrifice, when people say they, they love their nation, will they sacrifice for their nation? Will they sacrifice for their nation? No, most people, when they don't really love it, sacrifice for your partner. Will you make changes? Will you do things that bring them joy? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But we should... We would do ourselves a great service by thinking about that. Easy love versus hard love. One is sustaining, one is transient, superficial, and empty. Love, unsolicited devotion. Let us just consider it. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.